This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy say the unit address set for February 5th. A week from today. Yeah. And uh, in the interim, this was interesting. Did you see this? Uh, A group of wives of Border Patrol agents invited Nancy Pelosi to come down and visit them. We'd like to show you around. You don't need to bring any security detail. Our husbands, boyfriends, fiancés, wives, significant others are actually very good at their jobs. Thank goodness. It's really important to have our leaders come here and see what's happening first. It's important to meet with the people who are here on a daily basis that are witnessing it, the effects of it that it has on our country. So uh, one invitation begets another. Nancy Pelosi's invitation for the president to give his State of the Union address and Border Patrol significant others inviting Nancy Pelosi to come down and see what their significant others do in defense of our southern border. Huh. That's good. Yeah, how about that? Uh, how does that frame uh, the next week and the next uh, two and a half weeks up until that February 15th deadline before we do partial shutdown theater redux? Uh, and, oh, by the way, just you know, marking upon the weather, you know, we're only uh, 23 days from the beginning of spring training. Oh, yeah. So well, think think about think that, that when you have the historic, uh, endure the historic cold tomorrow. For more on uh, this topic, somebody who knows what date spring training starts, we're pleased to be joined by Pulitzer Prize winning editorialist, Washington Post columnist, George Will. George, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Glad to be with you. I don't know when the Cubs and Sox go, but the the Washington Nationals go on February 13th to spring training. Oh, boy. There are even fewer days than you said. Oh, okay. You're reporting early this year. Even more optimistic. Yeah, good. Um, And and where's Bryce Harper going to go before we get into politics? He's uh, probably going to be a Philly. Oh, no, that's not it's disappointing for the Southside fan. Sorry for you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, a Cub fan. George Will, let's talk a little bit about the State of the Union address as somebody who is uh, steeped in speechcraft. What do you think would behoove the president the most in terms of uh, offering during his State of the Union speech? Perhaps reissuing the broad outlines of the compromise he proposed the weekend before last or something else? Uh, if he wants to dwell on that, uh, <clears throat> that would be the the answer, I suppose. I think by the time he gives <clears throat> the State of the Union address, he is going to be made aware that Republicans in the Senate, particularly, but in Congress generally, are not going to stand for another shutdown. And uh, one of the reasons the president had to cave and fold his cards in the last one was that uh, there was brewing an incipient revolt in the Senate. I think it would come much quicker this time. The Republicans are just not going to do this again. Well, do you think that the ground stoppages along the eastern seaboard had anything to do with it? Sure did. Uh, I I mean, everyone knew that, uh, A, that the American economy and the American convenience, the American happiness depends on air travel nowadays. And this is leaving out the possibility that there could have been a a mid-air tragedy uh, that would have uh, brought down the wrath of the country on the entire political class. So prudence dictated this. Well, with respect to Republicans revolting, uh, there are a lot more Republican incumbent senators up in 2020 than there are Democrats. And uh, barring something unforeseen at this juncture, President Trump is uh, more likely than not to be the party's nominee. So how does Trump, as well as those Republican senators, 
go into 2020 not having delivered on a core promise? Well, the core promise is central to the the, the faith that the hardcore Trump base uh, holds for the president. But that's not most of the Republican vote. It's not even most of the Trump vote. And the Trump vote, remember, we lose sight of the sort of the obvious here that he lost the popular vote last time by about uh, five times more than George Bush, George, George W. Bush lost the popular vote to Al Gore. Since then, the president has done next to nothing to expand his base while he has been attending to the uh, the strongest desires of his base. Uh, so he, he stands at this point to go into the 2020 election with a, an approval rating in the low 40s at best, and you'd be hard put to find a time in American history when a, pres- a president seeking re-election succeeded with those numbers. Well, what Democrat do you think, if any, could uh, take him down? Any Democrat that's, that tries not to frighten the American people. Well, that's, you know, a, that's, that's a tall order for the Democrats <coughs> these days. It certainly is. And uh, Abba Eben, the great Israeli diplomat, once said of the Palestinians, they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. <laughs> and it could be that the Democrats will do so this time. And it seems if like they go to the I'm American sorry. people saying free stuff, free college, guaranteed uh, job for everybody, uh, Medicare for all, which means, by the way, if you like your employer provided health insurance, too bad because you're not going to be able to keep it. And they go on and on about this, abolish ICE, impeach the president. They could scare enough people back into the the arms of uh, Donald Trump to reelect him. I think, however, that uh, what what we learned in the 2018 midterms was that the Democrats took care to nominate in districts where this was important more centrist candidates, and they did not allow and did not encourage their progressive base to have primaries against these people. So I think the Democrats are, are having a, a, a brief moment of realism. But with respect to the presidential primary, uh, I, th- I think we're closing in on double digits in terms of uh, announced candidates already. And is is it your view that the more candidates that are in, and most of them trying to outleft the other, that the more likely it is you're going to get somebody who can't help but uh, go full Maduro uh, in the uh, primary. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know about that. To, to me, the wild card in all this is a, a simple matter of scheduling. California, which very often has had its primary in early June when it became an afterthought to a race already settled, has moved it to March 3rd. There will be an enormous trove of delegates even beyond California, but particularly California is going to have, I think, 12% of the convention delegates allocated on March 3rd. Early voting in the California primary begins, I think, the day of the Iowa caucuses. (laughs) So it could be that California will overshadow this, in which case it seems likely that uh, Kamala Harris uh, has what football coaches call schedule luck, except mm. it's not luck. It was provided for her benefit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Kamala Harris uh, clears that threshold, though, of not scaring the hell out of the American people. And I think that's what David Frum is getting at, too. He writes in The Atlantic about the prospect of Howard Schultz running as an independent. 
And, he, of course, Schultz is drawing a lot of ire from the left that, oh, he would be Ross Perot guaranteeing Trump a re-election re in this instance. Uh, but Fromm argues that actually Schultz's exploration helps the Democrats because it helps them to veer, to prevent, to stop from veering too far to the left. And he actually could save Howard Schultz, could save the Democrat Party from himself, from themselves. Is that, uh, is that a, your analysis or is that wishful thinking on the part of Fromm? Well, I think it's it's wishful thinking on the part of from and of Schultz, but wishful thinking every once in a while comes true. Schultz would have to use his billions to make of himself a, a magnetic pole to pull the Democratic Party toward him. I think that may be hard to do, but it's it's not a it's not a, a bizarre theory. When do you think we're going to hear about Joe Biden possibly entering the race and? Your thoughts on rumors that Hillary Clinton has not ruled out a 2020 run? Hooray! <laughs> well, Hillary Clinton may not have ruled it out, but the, the country People emphatically have. has. What they don't want is yet another uh, re rehash of, of the past. And I think that's also going to affect Mr. Biden. I'm afraid Mr. Biden's big moment will be the day he announces, if he announces. It'll be downhill after that. First of all, he has a well-known, documented proclivity for saying odd things that will get him in trouble. Second, he's run twice before. People forget. He tried in uh, 88, and I can't remember the one before <laughs> after that, but he's tried several times, and he has not been successful. Yeah, 2008, I, he ran against Obama, remember? That's right. Correct. And I, I really don't think that the country, uh, that the Democratic nominating electorate this time wants um, Democrats are, are big on recycling, but not recycling candidates forever. <laughs> he is George Will, columnist for The Washington Post. Oh, and also uh, I went to Northwestern with his son, Jeff. So, George, oh. please say hi to Jeff. I hope he's doing well. I'll do it. All right. He Ge is. Good. George Will, thanks so much for joining us again. Appreciate it. Glad to be with you. Yeah, you're the best. Always a pleasure. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.